Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got the finale of season six. It's episodes 31 and 32. You say it's your birthday. Mary, what happened this week? It's Steve's birthday, and the gang and a whole bunch of other people climb aboard the Queen Mary to enjoy a party fit for a prince's new BFF. Seriously, they got everything. Champagne, fancy dinner, birthday wishes from a few familiar faces, and the goo-goo dolls. Honestly, what are BFFs for if not to throw you a 21st birthday party on a boat with all those fun things just to be like, I'm in love with your girlfriend and I'd really like you to allow me the chance to steal her from you because, like, it's only fair. Remember all those horny boy oats you wanted to put all over? Steve, a dummy, gives Carl the go-ahead to shoot his shot. Claire, who would have rather had Steve metaphorically fight to keep her, is understandably angry. More so when Steve decides to IRL fight Carl's nose. (laughs) Steve is not having a great night, but neither is Brandon, who just found out Susan received a job offer in Washington, D.C. to work on the 1996 election campaign. And she's really sorry she made Brandon back out of his job offer for their road trip, but she needs this. The boys decide to go drown their sorrows in a strip club, but instead their sorrows get punched in the face by some tough regulars and they end up spending the night in jail but not before they see Colin slip away just in time to not get caught by the cops that swarm the bar. Colin's been hanging around the docks, trying to scrounge up enough money to catch a boat to Rio. He turned to Claudia for the funds, and he was this close to getting out of the country. Unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're Val and Nat, the strip club brawl freaked Colin out enough to miss his boat, but the guy who secured him the ride will get him another one for just $10,000 more dollars. On the other side of this messy little crime coin, Val has been in touch with Jonesy, who sends an FBI pal, Richard Ballin, to help Val track Colin down and the boys, oh, and get the boys out of jail before he goes off to chase a new lead. Val and Kelly drive back to the Queen Mary with Brandon and Steve, and they happen to just see Colin walking on the street. Brandon and Steve chase him around the docks and through a warehouse before they finally catch him, effectively solving all of Valerie's problems. While all that happens, back on the boat, David tries to keep Eric Music Industry from hitting on Donna. She proves herself able to shake him off on her own, turning him loose on literally every other woman on this boat. While Brandon and Susan break up, David and Donna decide to get back together. Steve and Claire are fine. Nat and Joni are old people pregnant. Also, Andrea shows up just long enough to hug and platonic mouth kiss everyone hello and goodbye. You got me on platonic friend kiss. Oh, yeah. I I think I only wrote one line at Andrea's goodbye, and it was mouth kiss. She was like, I have to come back and bring this show back to its roots. Yeah, you mouth kissing understand. your friends. You guys don't understand what you've been missing. Have you heard of mouth kisses? Well, I'm here to bring them back. She's heard about all of these different men. Richard Ballin, Eric Music Man. She's just like, no, this isn't what we are. Forget about them. I know how to mouth kiss. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so wonderful if she was just like, you guys don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Let me show you. All you have to do is say hello and go in for the mouth kiss. That's it. I don't know what this <laughs> Eric guy's doing. He's just wasting your time. Yeah. So these two episodes could have been one episode, right? 
Yeah, in fact, on the DVDs, it was. One like, long episode that never seemed to end. Yeah, I think I stopped it about like 50 minutes in because I had to like leave and go do stuff. And I was like, I mean, what if I just didn't watch the rest of it? It's interesting because it really did feel like there was plot, 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 plot in the first half, I guess. And the second half was just all closure. But there were so many different varying storylines that it took the entire second hour to wrap everything up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I guess that's a great like segue to start talking about the episode because there's just – there are so many plot lines. Like the first thing we see is Nat and Val – talking about how they have to get their money back. And it's funny that they're like, we have six months to find Colin, and then they find him like two days later. Right. Yeah. But in this, I did appreciate in this scene, Nat mentions that not only can they go, the bail bondsmen go after Val's money and Nat's money, they can also go after Dylan's money because he still has a stake in the peach pit, Mm -hmm. at which point Val is like, Dylan losing money, you say? (laughs) <laughs> that reminds me of the last time Dylan lost his money and Jonesy. And honestly, like, it, we talked about this last episode. I think it makes the most sense. Like, jo- like I think Val even says, like, Jonesy owes her. Mm-hmm. And we were like, yeah, he does owe her for all the shit that he put her through last time. And so it's good that she's utilizing her resources and is like, all right, I'm going to put a call in. We'll see where this goes. And, you know, even when we get to the opening credits, Wings Hauser is in the credits. That's Jonesy. And, mm-hmm. like, he's only in a voicemail later in the episode. But I got hype. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a birthday to remember. Well, in this scene, like, like obviously, the further we get down the episode and understand that this is going to be a huge party, that fits Jonesy's scene so well. Like, he would have just shown up. and He finally would have shown up in the proper attire his <laughs> standard issue aloha hawaii shirt and khaki pants and he would have fit right in with the party scene do you think they were like well we can't have him come back because we already have eric who is his own version of skis ball and two skis balls in one episode is just too many skis balls probably especially given the fact that we also still have carl who i wouldn't say is a skis ball but like he's got to be dealt with and as we've been knocking down these dominoes, like we still have to deal with Susan, we still have to deal with Colin, we still have to deal with um, Claire and Steve, like all this other stuff. So yeah, I wonder if it would just have been too much. This is where they drew the line. They're like, all right, we can have everything else. We can go on a boat. We can have a chase through a warehouse, but not Jonesy. Mm -hmm. That's too much. But they got so many people... To, like, come back for either, like, short video messages or Andrea. Mm-hmm. My heart skipped a beat when I saw her name in the credits. And then when she shows up and they do the, like, who is this woman as she's walking to the front desk. hmm I was so happy. Yeah. Like, who thought seeing Gabrielle Carteris's name right before the Goo Goo Dolls would make me forget about the Goo Goo Dolls and just focus on her? Like... That's that's the impact that she made on the show. Although I do have to say, like, the Goo Goo Dolls, we'll get there when we get there. I have opinions on the fact that, like, fictional universe Goo Goo Dolls decided to do a 21st birthday party <laughs> concert. 
Yeah. At like the height of their fame. Yeah. I don't know when Iris came out, but I feel like that was one of their biggest hits. And I'm sure it came out around that time. Maybe it was a little later. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I that Long Way Down song, I remember that one being really big. Okay. So Iris was 98. So yeah, we were like one year away from peak peak. And they went on the Queen Mary for Steve's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this episode really is pretty much just the lead up to Steve's birthday party, maybe like 20 minutes at Steve's birthday party, and then the day after Steve's birthday party. It's a very long weekend on a boat, but like we get this scene where Susan's packing up the newspaper room so that she can pass on all of her responsibilities to somebody else for the summer. And the guy at the newspaper starts mentioning the big party that's happening on the Queen Mary. And they're like, oh, yeah, a keg brother having this giant party? I think we've heard of that. Which is so interesting because I'm like, how how did this get around? Like, I could totally understand it being now and the word just, like, spreading like wildfire. But how does this get around to so many people? Because we hear that random Randy taking over for the condor. And then, like... Later on, we find out about the party from somebody else. I forget who it is. But it's like everybody that's ancillary to the group knows about the party, and the group is almost acting coy about it. It's so funny. Like, this was definitely giving me graduation day flashbacks where the entire senior breakfast is just about these six people. Yeah, for sure. Everyone at school and work. And life in general just cares so much about Steve's birthday party. And of course it's Steve's. Oh, yeah. It couldn't have been anybody else's to have this much fanfare. Seriously. And, like, he he loves the attention. Mm-hmm. He loves it so much. He, like, loses his mind about getting on this boat and, like, seeing all of the stuff. And there is a point where Claire is like, oh, do you want to go do something? And Steve is like, well, shouldn't I stay here and like watch them set up my party? Yeah, it's not like he offered to help. He was just like, shouldn't I be here to oversee? And I love how obsessed he is about this party that he had no hand in planning from a guy that he barely knows. And Claire is just like, there are ulterior motives here. Like you're being godfathered. Pay yeah. attention. Yeah, like he's definitely going to like – like Claire thinks Carl's definitely going to want to – like, want Steve to owe him something further down the line. And Steve's like, no, he's a stand-up guy. Like, think about it. If I had the money and if I could throw somebody a party like this, I totally would. And, like, while I do believe that of Steve because, like, he's in a fraternity, like, that's literally, like, what the fraternity does, I – it's a very naive way of thinking because he thinks that Carl's doing it out of the goodness of his heart. Which is hilarious because I don't think Steve ever – I mean, he does do things out of the goodness of his heart, but, like, there are a lot of times that Steve doesn't do things out of the goodness of his heart. Or it's just, like, a win-win, right? Like, on the one hand, he's doing something nice for somebody, but on the other hand, he gets to meet all these women, or he gets to have a rager, or whatever the case may be. It's like, it, there's got to be something else in it for Steve. Yeah, so. but he's just like, not Carl. Carl would never. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. And I do appreciate that, like, literally right after he gets so excited about his birthday party, 
that Kelly and Brandon are talking about how he always lands on his feet and Kelly is taking some of his shoes to bronze. Yeah. I really wish she had presented those to him at the party and just been like, here are your size 12 sneakers. This weighs 50 pounds. Yeah. I do love, yeah, like you said, Kelly says, Steve really does land, always land in the roses, doesn't he? That's it's like it. they finally point out that the whole point to Steve is failing upward, right? Like every time, you know, something bad happens, something good happens consequently. And then just he just always kind of meets the right people or is in the right place or something like that. And I don't think that's necessarily a negative in this case, right? Like mm-hmm. he's made this friendship because of Claire and I mean, Steve's a charismatic guy. Of course, like Carl would gravitate towards him even outside of his ulterior motive, right? Like Steve's just a very charismatic dude. He is easy to make friends with. And so him landing in the roses, not necessarily a bad thing right now. And it happens again in Mm -hmm. this episode. Like Steve can't lose and it's wild to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense that like this conversation with Kelly and Brandon explains so much of why Steve is even still in the friend group. Right. They're like, yeah, he messes up all the time, but like he ends up just getting out of it. So whatever. And like, let's be real. Steve's got good connections and good access. So like maybe they keep him around because they, the gang just basically got to spend a free weekend on a big old boat partying and drinking and getting to see the Goo Goo Dolls for free. Like, seriously, the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. I got to be honest, I did not realize for a good bit of this episode that the boat doesn't move. Right. It's just a parked yacht or docked yacht. I don't know. I thought for the longest time they were going to get on the boat, go out into the middle of the harbor, and then, like, come back. Or it was going to be, like, some sort of international waters kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And I was – I was so confused. I was like, why would they do this on a boat? It makes mm-hmm. all of the stories more complicated. Mm-hmm. Took me so long. Well, and speaking of, like, so during that scene where Brandon and Kelly are talking about Steve, Val ends up walking in. Um, Brandon is, she's like a little apprehensive about the whole call and stuff. And so Brandon's assuring her that the police are on it. They're going to figure it out. He just wants to order some food, blah, blah, blah. So Val then calls her own voicemail at the pee pad, and this is where we get the message from Jonesy, where he's like, I may be in Thailand, but I'm also on the case. Don't you worry. Also, BT dubs, I know where Dylan is. As if, you know, Val never asked him. He's just like, here's some juicy information. Um, And we find out that our boy Dylan is in England. He's literally, I wrote in all caps, Dylan's in the West End. That's the theater district. He is with Brenda Walsh. That is, that is, that that is that. That is period. And my favorite is how many people are like, I don't know, maybe. (laughs) Even Brandon's like, there's how many, 15 million people in London and if you, or in England, and if you count the outskirts, that would be so weird for them to cross paths. Yeah, there's no way that he specifically sought out England to go find her. No. Yeah. What? No way, Jose. Uh, Dylan just really loves a good London fog. I really love that Brandon's geographical comments. He's like, there's 15 million people if you count the outlying regions. Dude, that's such a neat comment. Like, 
He asks me questions all the time. He's like, hey, how many think how many people you think are in uh, Bangladesh? I'm like, never would I ever know that. If I guess it, it's going to be something outlandish, so I'm not even going to try. And he's like, hmm, I'm thinking like 476,000, you know, something like that. And then he pulls it up and he's like 5,000 off. I'm like, who are you? What are you? <laughs> Nate's the rain man of population. He's like an almanac. <laughs> I just love that for him so much. And I I can appreciate how many people in this friend group just, like, freely admit how little they have paid attention to Brenda lately. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, yeah, I mean, we haven't talked to her talked about her all season because we haven't talked to her. Yeah. Like, Brandon is straight up like, oh, I haven't talked to her in a while. I think she's in Scotland. Yeah. she she. There's no way they could be meeting up. She's in Scotland doing something, which is very cool for her if she is. Oh, it would be great. And I know – I think Scotland's the one that has like – oh, what is it? Not like the Fringe Festival, but like they do have a big theater festival. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be really big for Brenda and says that she's doing well. But I love how many people in this episode are just like, yeah, I mean, I talk to Brenda like once every six months. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what? Good for Brenda. Yeah. Get away from the avocado heads. They are self-obsessed. So true. And before we kind of keep moving along, getting closer and closer to the party, the only thing I wanted to mention about Colin, since we just mentioned Jonesy, and and clearly he's setting something up for Val, but really we've only seen Colin at this strip club in the beginning. He's just staring at this dancer, and some guy in a beanie walks up to him telling him there's a freighter going to Rio – basically asks about money we get a short scene of colin calling claudia and if you guys forgot who that is that's his ex sugar mama and apparently she owes him money for some art or something from the contract and she's trying to argue and say like oh well you broke that contract so i owe you nothing but then very easily he bullies her into wiring him the money this was something i didn't understand like if she's like you broke contract it's like a printed document then she's not liable to give him anything. So well, why is she? And what's he going to do about it? Right, exactly. He's literally on the run from the law. If he does anything, she can just call the police. Like she even says, like, she's not in the business of aiding and abetting a, a wanted fugitive. So why? why does she do that thing right now? She's like, I'm not in the business of doing this, but here's the money. Yeah. Fugitive. Maybe she's like, I just don't want to deal with you. Maybe this just gets you off my back forever. I do love that he needs $10,000 and she owes him $10,000. Yeah, so convenient. I love her, like, just being like, um, no, you broke your contract. And Colin's like, no. And she goes, oh, okay, you're right. <laughs> it's yeah, so he, easy. All he does is literally just be like, no, I didn't. And she's like, oh, okay, well, with logic like that, how can I argue? <laughs> I feel, this is like my version of brain fog where it's like, oh, you didn't? Sorry about that. Oh, my I'll bad. <laughs> where can I send this money? And he was like, oh, a Western Union. Good, nice little callback to, like, wiring money. Oh, I love it. I know. I feel like at this point you'd be like, just Venmo me. Right? Like, he's got it in five seconds. He goes. <laughs> I just – watching Collins, like, fleeing from the law – is something. It feels so stereotypical to me that he's just like down at the docks nursing a beer in a strip club. And I I also wrote in my notes, I was like, sir, you should be on a budget. 
You need $10,000. Stop buying beer and going to strip clubs. Yeah. Or like if you need $10,000 for the docs, ask for 12. I don't know. You know, like (laughs) ask for 10,100. I mean, he's going to need some walking around money in Brazil. (laughs) Yeah. Like how else are you going to get money if you cannot get a job? I, I mean, he does call that other guy, too, we find out later. So maybe he called her for the 10000 and then was just like, I'm just going to keep calling people that have bought my art that yeah, I have fair. no access to because it's in a storage unit that if I go to, I will be arrested. Like, That's a good point. Logic out the window for Colin. Oh, yeah. No, he and he's staying in the same places. Like, he's just pivoting to little pockets of L.A., and the police already know he's in L.A. It's just... I also felt really bad for him that we find out he's in the same harbor as the gang. And, like, it felt so sad to me. I mean, fine, but sad to me that he's just on the other side of the harbor, like, sad and alone while they're all having fun on a yacht. Oh, yeah. And so moving away from Colin for a little while, because we got to get back to the party. This was the other person. I was like, how did he know about this? And it was Eric asking about the party and long beach or whatever i was like Mm -hmm. how in the world would he know about this and i guess like if he knows the google dolls and he knows their schedule this would be how but at first i'm like how in the world would a record executive know about a 21 year old's party that's it makes no sense to me that the google dolls are playing a 21st birthday party (laughs) but this party in general makes no sense because donna and david come in He brings this up, and they're just like, oh, yeah, we've heard about this party. We're going to it, and we can bring guests. And I do – I don't often land on David's side, not because he's so out there, but more just like there's sometimes a better side to be on. Mm -hmm. But I am on his side for this when Donna invites Eric to the party. I'm like, why? Like – Number one, he's technically your boss. Number two, you don't know him that well. And number three, like David said, he has a crush on her and she like needs to nip that in the bud. Yeah, they're really leaning into like Donna is too nice for her own good and Mm -hmm. also kind of stupid. Like she insists. She's like, no, he doesn't have a crush on me. Mm hmm. I also really appreciate that they picked up Billboard magazine to show that they were in it because it's like Billboard magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, and I do love that David like got all giddy when he's – or was it – which one said it? He was, They were like, we're on the same page as Alanis Morissette. I was like, yeah, that is big time. That, that is. is. Especially in 90s. Like that mm-hmm. is huge. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that David's very much like – well, okay, we can't get a big head about this. We still need to work hard. We need to like put in our work. We need to work on the boat just to make sure that we're doing everything possible to stay relevant. And I do like, I think this is truly David's passion. And we've talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last several seasons, like David really does seem to be the one, maybe besides Brandon, because he's been working with the newspaper and, and politics and all that jazz. But he's kind of the only other one that truly has a passion um, and, and really like goes and gets it right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he cares so much about this job. And I think that's part of why he's upset about them inviting Eric, right? Mm -hmm. Like, first of all, you know, he has a crush on Donna and he loves her and doesn't want her inviting other men that are going to like cause problems for her specifically, Mm -hmm. but then like also 
be competition for him. And then, yeah, he wants to work through all of this. And I do love Kelly being like, you're not going to talk about work all weekend, right? Like, yeah. don't do that. But this, okay. So this is, they explain it later. This scene confused me when it first happened when the the courier shows up and delivers a package that Donna has to sign for. Mm-hmm. And then David's like, oh, is it a present for Steve? And then she says, oh, it's a letter from Dylan. Mm-hmm. I spent this whole time being like, why would Dylan write a letter and then send it to Donna? Right. Oh, yeah. No. I mean, the o- and the only thing, like, when she opens it, I do see, like, dear Steve or, like, Steve, comma. So it's like, mm-hmm. could confirm. Yes, this is a letter from Dylan to Steve. But, yeah, it was curious in the beginning, like, why is Donna getting this? Yeah, because they wanted the whole video to be a surprise, mm-hmm. but then all of this happened. And, you know, they didn't call Dylan asking him for something, but nobody technically knew where he was, mm-hmm. which is when now more people are finding out, like, oh, not only is he in London, he's at Brenda's address. That's the return for this package. And every single time someone finds out this information, they're like, is Kelly around? Did Kelly hear that? Yeah. They specifically have antennas up waiting to either lie to Kelly or just make sure she didn't hear it. And somehow being in the same – I love TV magic where she is in the same room and she's just like, I'm going to go get my bag. Yeah. Completely misses all of this. And they do agree. They're like, we're not going to tell her about this. Oh, yeah. This is like the one time David and Donna are on the same page about what lie they should tell and to whom. I just I can't get over how many people are just like no one can know where Dylan is. We all know, but Kelly can't know. Right. I guess fair though, if you think about it. Her ex-boyfriend went back to the girl he cheated on with Kelly. And Brenda and Kelly always had that competition and everything. So Man, Kelly must be having like a whole brunette attack on her right now no like if she found out about Dylan and Brenda because at the very beginning of this episode like she and Val had run into each other at the peach pit and Kelly's just like man every guy that I'm with you seem to end up with them afterwards Mm -hmm. it just keeps happening to her she gets a guy and then a brunette comes in and takes it from takes him from her Mm -hmm. I mean you could technically even say, even though I don't know Tara's true hair color, I think it was more red, but she even took med student Greg from Kelly. These damn brunettes. I know. They're nothing but trouble. That's why they're always evil. Only blondes are nice. Yeah. Unless they're fake blondes. In which case, they can still be mean. Well, yeah. They're just pretending. They're trying yeah. to hide their evilness underneath the blonde. Exactly. So we're finally on the boat, and we're on the Queen Mary, and everybody's starting to check in. Eric checks in and asks if he's close to Donna's room, and I feel like that's privileged information that yes. concierges should just not give out. But no, she's like, yeah, you're right down the hall. He's like, perfect. Gross. Um, Nat and Joan are there, which it makes sense that they're there. Like, you know, Nat, Nat and everybody's close to the gang. Like, it's fine. They're the only adults there, and by adults, I mean, like, older than the, you know, 20. 21-year-olds, but, you know, it makes sense. Um, Joan doesn't feel well, though, and and she kind of blames it on, like, oh, I hope, you know, the water calms down or the boat stops moving or whatever, which, like, to be fair, 
I would also be motion sick and would need to mm-hmm. wear those little bands or take Dramamine or something. Um, but yeah, and so when Brandon and Susan check in, Susan has a call from Washington, D.C. And I love what Br- – there's so many good Brandon quotes this episode or these episodes. And he's like, oh, Washington, D.C., home with a president and her husband. And I loved it. I thought you were going to talk about the part where she bites Brandon's chin and is like, let's go find our bed in our room. And he just goes, all righty. Oh, I'm, yeah, next. That wasn't my next note. <laughs> I mean, so this is the part, like, again, when Joan starts talking about how she's not feeling well because the boat's moving, like, still my brain is like, the boat's going to move. It's going to leave. Mm-hmm. Should you be on here? You're also, no offense to them because they're not that old, but, like, you're old. Like, even at my age, I don't want to go to a 21st birthday party. Yeah. But they keep having these things where they're getting, like, messages delivered to the boat or an FBI agent delivered to the boat. Jonesy sends Richard Ballin onto this boat to find Val, and she's – I don't remember if it's this scene or later, but she's, like, already weirdly, like – flirty with him but his haircut (laughs) is not good yeah he could use like this is one of those haircuts where it's like most boys do have a haircut like this until they figure out oh either I can style it or I can cut it a little bit more strategically like I can do like a little fade or something and he Mm -hmm. he hasn't realized it yet yeah between like, the haircut and the 90s style and all of this stuff. Like, this man looked like he was, like, 40. And again, too old to be enjoying a 21st birthday party. Mm-hmm. He also kind of reminded me, like, his voice, a little bit of, like, young John Ham. Oh, I wish this was John Ham. I mean, I do, too. But I remember he was in one, maybe two random episodes of Gilmore Girls in, like, 2000 two or three so not that much you know further than this and he was very monotone you know John Hamm's voice it like mm-hmm. it you can definitely hear it be monotone even though he usually isn't and like I don't know just the kind of look that he had in Gilmore Girls compared to this Richard guy I was like man he kind of reminds me of him okay John Hamm would have been perfect for this because he would have been like 25 mm-hmm. by the time this show came out because he was born in 1971 and his first acting credit is Ally McBeal in 1997. Mm. He would have been perfect. I don't know. In 1997, he was uncredited gorgeous guy at bar <laughs> in an episode of Ally McBeal. So, like, I guess there's that. But he could have been perfect. Because yeah. it's not like the guy who played uh, What's-His-Face really did much. Yeah, he very um, – I will say he was very um, – he was just very attentive, I guess, because he would provide her updates all the freaking time, and it would be like a sentence, and then he's gone. So I had looked up this man for his birthday to see how old he was because he was born in 1965, so he was like in his 30s when this episode aired. But I think the reason they got this guy to be Richard Ballin is that he was in – so many episodes of As the World Turns. Oh, nice. I mean, this is like, you know, current IMDb, so it says it's 1985 to 2010, but he was in almost 2,000 episodes of As the World Turns. Good for him. Right? 
That man found his role as Holden Snyder. Nice. Yeah, you can make some good money doing a soap. That's so many episodes. He's literally like between As the World Turns, The Bold and the Beautiful, One Life to Live, and Beverly Hills 90210, which is basically his entire IMDb. He has been in over 2,000 episodes of soap operas. That is wild and good for him. Yeah. So proud. I still think he's too old and not attractive, and I don't get it. <laughs> Maybe he gets a glow up later on. Uh, he's never in this again. Well. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe on As the World Turns, he looks better. But I also think it's hilarious that, like, throughout this episode, he and Val are flirting with each other. At the end of the episode, he says he's – trying to get transferred to LA so that they can be closer together or or like just like oh we can continue this because I'm gonna be here and then we apparently never see him again oh yeah okay much different look in as the world turns I looked up Holden Snyder totally different I need to see him now um like the hair is just better it's like pushed back out of his face oh yeah his hair looks sexy pushed back. His hair looks so sexy pushed back versus like stringy in front. Mm-hmm. He just needed to grow it out a little bit and then style it. That's what I'm saying. Like either you get a good haircut that actually like does something or you know how you learn how to style it. Yeah, there's definitely like some not great highlights moments here. Like gotta be pushed back. Gotta be pushed back yeah. out of his face. Can't get over how his bangs just look like little fingers on his forehead. (laughs) That's what I mean. If you, like, Google as the world turns Holden Snyder, he's, like, got it pushed up. And, like, then you can see, like, how his face fits better. But on this, they were just, like, no, we're just going to, like, grease it down. Lay it flat. There's literally, like, part, like, he's got almost the Brandon going on. I wonder if he showed up on set like that and they were like, I mean, that's what we like about you, but Jason Priestley already has the haircut. Yeah, so. that's copyrighted and trademarked for this show. <laughs> we, they had to give him a haircut that nobody else had and nobody else has their bangs just matted to their forehead. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I mean, moving on. The entire gang plus Nat and Joan plus this FBI agent are all on the boat together And the next morning, we find out that they're going to watch Carl in a polo match. And Steve is weirdly into it. And this Mm -hmm. is the funny, like, what? This is very Kelly's jazz birthday. Yeah. Steve's birthday at a polo match. Well, and like, I guess, like, (laughs) For me, it's like, why? Like, why do they need to go to a polo match when they have all these other plans? Like, the plan is to be on the boat for the concert and the party. So, like, why couldn't Carl just leave and go to his polo match and come back? Yeah, like, have a pool party. Also, Carl's not a professional polo player. Like, yeah, we're going to, like, a pickup game in the park. (laughs) And, again, I still did not realize the boat does not move. So, I was like... Why are you bringing horses on the boat? <laughs> you thought that was a polo court, like, on the boat? Well, and then I was like, maybe they meant water polo. Mm. Lost. Completely lost. I had no idea. But I think I was also thinking of 
like other shows that have boats, like the booze cruise episode of The Office where they do go out in the water. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just assumed the boat left the dock. And it I does was, not. I was so wrong. I was confused for a solid first half of this episode. I was like, how are they going to get back to shore for the polo match? Well, and see, I missed the initial conversation about the polo match. So whenever they get, like, they are like, oh, we're running late, you know, to get to the bus to go to the match. I was like, for what? 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 <laughs> Where are they going? They had to take a bus. They're, like, they're taking a, presumably, like, a party bus to go to the polo match. But it looks like a Greyhound bus. <laughs> but, like, just stay on the boat. Have a pool day. Mm-hmm. That's what I would want. I don't know, but Steve is completely sold. He is like, Carl's amazing. I'm going to go see Polo. I've never seen it before. And like, Claire is just so annoyed. And she even brings up the cufflinks again. And he's like, what? You're bringing that up again? Or something like he gets mad. He's like, those yeah. are my favorite cufflinks. Or- <laughs> well, because somehow Steve does not realize that every single time he's gone, Carl finds Claire and is like, oh, yeah. you know, our mothers were best friends. Did I mention your mother told me that we should get married? He literally brings up their mothers like five times. It's like so weirdly manipulative. It weirds me out. It's crazy. And there's, you know, a bunch of like little moments in between like now and the polo match because I don't know, we have to keep figuring out ways to do things. So like Val has to ask Kelly to come talk to the FBI about Colin, which is how we find out about Claudia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Eric shows up in the middle of the morning, presumably, to Donna's room with a bottle of champagne. And I got to say, I have a problem with, like, how polite she is. She lets this man in her room. And not, like, not only does David say... Donna hates champagne, but she even says in the room, I don't like champagne. And he's like opening the bottle anyway. Yeah. She's like, no, I have bad experiences with champagne. He's like, so do I, but that doesn't stop me. Right. It's like, okay, but it stops her. Like, chill. And, and seriously, like, yeah, your coworkers. Exactly. Like, you're literally like her boss. And so luckily her phone rings and it's David who doesn't even say hello. He's just like. Tell your friends you're late for or we're having you're having dinner together and you're late so you need to go. And luckily Donna's like, "Okay," and does it, you know, but still like he she even invites him to the dinner too or or whatever oh, you're meeting for. Yeah, no, you're right. This is dinner. I think I just like completely skipped the polo match cuz I didn't care at all. I don't think I, don't I have think a single note. to the polo match yet. Have we not? No. They get on they check into the boat. They um Richard Ballin comes in. Carl talks about their mothers. Steve talks about the cufflinks. Val and Richard are talking about Claudia and all of that. Okay, and then they have dinner, and the next day is the polo yes. match because Steve gets drunk at dinner. Correct. So okay. We just finished David getting Donna out of being alone in her room with Eric, but she invites him to dinner anyway. And now we're at dinner. Okay. Yeah. Why does she keep inviting him to these moments? This is like an intimate dinner with best friends. And she's like, yeah, boss, come with me because I'm uncomfortable telling you no means no. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. 
it it makes me so upset because I really wish this is not what was happening to Donna. Mm-hmm. And they just make it okay with how creepy Eric is on everyone. Like, no one at dinner is just like, sorry, dude, it's just friends. Yeah. I guess on the bright side, the dinner is great. Okay, so the dinner is adorable. I love Brandon's speech of just, I love you, man. Mm-hmm. And seeing all the baby pics. Oh, my gosh, he was such a cute baby. And then we get Jim and Cindy, we get his brothers, we get his parents, we get Andrea, and then Donna reads Dylan's letter, which mm-hmm. you can see like freaks Kelly out. But then Andrea just like sneaks in and is just like, hi, I'm here. And I <laughs> died. I did love that everybody got up to say hi to her except all the new people who have never met her before. I noticed the same thing. Because Val and Susan don't get up. And I don't think I Eric does either. They're just like, who is this woman? Why am I supposed to be happy? Mm-hmm. But you would think Susan would get up and be like, oh, my God, you're Andrea. Brandon talks so much about you, his former editor. I've heard so much about you. You know, I guess I have you to thank for Brandon being such a good journalist. <laughs> yeah, they could just sit there and gush and have this whole conversation about Brandon that wouldn't pass the Bechdel test. But... I feel like the show is already like Susan's out of the picture. Just she sits down. Exactly. And but then, the, then they bring out a cake. The scariest cake I've ever seen in my life. I don't know what the face reminded me of or made me think of, but it was like definitely something out of like a scary movie with clowns or something. Mm-hmm. Like maybe, you know what it was? It. I just thought of it. It was one of those episodes of Rugrats. And, like, who hates clowns and Rugrats? Is it Chucky? That sounds right. Yeah. And, like, him seeing Stu turn into a clown or something, that's what it made me think of. I hated the cake so much. I would be like, on principle, I can't touch that cake. At least it had a Corvette on it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Steve loved it. Mm -hmm. But, no, that, that was terrifying. Like, if we could just, like, take the head off of it and just make it a Corvette cake. Perfect. Or even just like take the cutout from his cardboard cutout that they make and like set it on there. That would be better. Yeah. Don't give us like someone's first shot at puppeteering. Yeah. And then after dinner, there's a huge party on the boat for Steve. Because literally, like, it's an entire weekend. This is like a wedding weekend, but mm-hmm. for Steve. It is. And, like, some people are dancing. Some people are just drinking. Steve randomly calls Andrea Andrea and then corrects it immediately, like, at the next time and says Andrea. I, I was upset. I was like, Steve, you know better. Mm-hmm. You of all people. But I guess you could say he's drunk because he, yeah. like, brings Carl over to meet her and she's like, yeah, we met at dinner. Mm-hmm. This isn't news. And, again, Eric, like, he's being so skeezy. He's, like – Got Donna backed up against like a tree or something and has his hands all over her. And for some reason, she's just dancing there and not being like, I have to go get something to drink or like, I'm going to not be here right now. Yeah, exactly. Until David comes over and like on his way over to them, he gets like the one of the servers and whispers in his ear. You can clearly read his lips. He's like, tell me he has a phone call. Like, very enunciating of his words. 
and yeah he walks right up to eric and gets him to go away and donna's even like oh god thank you that was like just in time or not a moment too soon or something like that it's like donna you just gotta walk away say you're going to the bathroom like anything anything and like even when he tries to leave she's like oh it's okay i'm gonna go to bed and he's like no don't go to bed stay here and wait for me But I'm pretty sure David also has to pay the guy. And again, like, the amount of people on this boat, men and women combined, that see Eric, like, clearly invading her personal space and making her uncomfortable and are like, I'm going to need a five before I go fix this. Yeah. It bothered me so much. And again, like, if I'm reading these IMDb's correctly, Eric is also – not on this show again after this episode, and that is for the best because there is no coming back from this in a working relationship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And FBI man is still on the boat. He's just, like, hanging out at the hotel. His FBI budget must be amazing. Mm-hmm. It's when we find out that, you know, Colin is calling a ton of other people but the FBI agent confirms, like, he's still in L.A. Like, this kid has not left L.A. We just have to find him. Yep. And, yeah, again, like, a ton of smaller scenes where, like, Joan still isn't feeling well. Steve is very drunk. Carl tries to get Claire to, like, go do romantic shit with him. And then it's back to Eric, who won't leave Donna alone until she finally says, I'm not going to sleep with you because I'm a virgin and waiting for marriage. Not because I'm not interested in you and you're being gross, but because I'm a virgin and you wouldn't want to. Which, I guess, like, on the one hand, does work. So, at least, you know, moral of the story, we got to point B from point A, but it just took a really roundabout way to get there. But, because of this, Kelly, like, comes up to talk to Donna and, like, now Eric starts looking at her all gross. Yeah. How do you think this is okay? And Donna's not just like, hey, Kelly, watch out. He's a predator. Or, yeah, like there's a joke the next morning where she's like, yeah, just tell him you're a virgin. It worked for me. It's like, mm-hmm. stop inviting him. Yeah. Leave on the bus before he gets there. Yeah. Don't just stab him in the hand when he feels you up without your consent tell everyone what he did i guarantee if kelly had made a big deal about that man sticking his hand up her skirt every boy at that table would have punched him oh 100 percent, 100 percent. especially brandon that's the thing not that she should have needed them but brandon steve yeah. her brother hell even andrea probably would have punched him that i need in my life <laughs> Andrea's like yeah even though i am you know, a pre-med student with a two-year-old and a husband on tenure track, I still have time to take self-defense classes. Exactly. Donna took a self-defense class. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would have died if they had brought that back versus her just it. being like, oh, I'm a virgin. I'm not for you. Right. Also, when she says she's not the girl for him and he's like, oh, are you gay? So every straight girl is the girl for you, Eric? You're not selling yourself. Like, you're a record executive. You should know how to, like, make a pitch better than that. Right? He's so bad at this. Yeah. Ugh. Luckily, we get, like, a very short break from him. And we get a good little scene with Andrea and Kelly, which actually, like, I didn't know how much I missed that. Because 
Andrea and Kelly really did kind of like like get a little cute, good one-on-one friendship before Andrea left the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kelly kind of gives her an update on her life, talking about what a tough year she's had, how she was in rehab. She had to take an incomplete for the entire year of school. And Andrea is just like there to listen and like be sympathetic and, and it's cute. Um, but then Brandon comes out, they have to go to the da- the stupid polo match. Yeah. And like, I just, I don't care about basically anything at the polo match other than this is when Susan finds out she got the job offer in DC and she is just distracted and chooses like lunch to tell Brandon that she got it. But I will say this one little moment as they're all boarding the, the bus, Brandon's talking to, I don't know who I assume Steve or something. And like in the middle of his sentence, he just goes, Oh, don't bite my hand to susan who's like got his hand by her mouth like kissing it and presumably biting it and it just i giggle i laughed out loud at that moment and makes me so mad for later on but they they went from like a hundred to negative 75 like so fast so fast like because yeah they have that moment and then within yeah however long a polo matches plus a few to get to lunch like she brings this up. She's like, oh, yeah, I got a job offer in D.C. And then there's like a pause where you can tell Brandon's feeling like the bottom fall out. Yeah. She's like, oh, but I'm not taking it because I'd have to drop out of school. Yeah, like she'd have to leave this summer, drop out of school, which what kind of. I don't know what kind of I would I would think this kind of job would require a college degree. Well, and it sounds like. So my assumption is she'd go now, start working on the campaign, and the campaign would go up until election day in November. So, mm-hmm. like, she takes a semester off and graduates sure. one semester late. It's not drop out of school. Yeah. It sounded probably more dramatic than what it is. Yeah. I just – the way she says it and he's just like, oh, okay, thank God. You're not going to drop out of school. You're going to stay with me. Mm-hmm. I – well, yeah, we'll get to Susan when we get to Susan. Yeah, because, like, at the end of the match, Steve makes a toast to Prince Carl, basically, you know, thanking him for the weekend and blah, blah, blah. Richard, again, ever, you know, prompt as he is, comes back with another update about Colin. They have a lead from Claudia at the port or whatever. Um, and at this point, yeah, this is when Eric's like trying to schmooze Kelly with concert tickets. He's like, yeah, any concert you want to go to, you've got first row or second row or whatever. And Kelly at least is honest about like not wanting to be with him. She's like, I literally just got out of rehab. Here are all my reasons why I don't want to be with you. And then he takes, he doesn't take no for an answer, puts his hand up her skirt on her knee and she stabs him with a fork, which is great. But again, yeah, like make this widely known, please. So he stops doing this. Yeah, because he doesn't stop with her. We see him again later. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And luckily, we swiftly move away from that. Now to kind of like probably the tipping point of the episode when everything starts to go not off the rails in terms of like making it a bad episode, but just, you know, off the rails in terms of, all right, now we're really swiftly moving through all these crazy storylines because 
Carl takes Steve um, on the side. And this is where he announces his intentions with Claire, like this whole time. He's like, I'm in love with Claire. I want to tell her. And the only reason I'm telling you is because I want you to let me. And he brings up, he's like, you said it yourself. You don't have plans for a future with Claire. Let me have plans for a future with Claire. And like basically puts Steve's words back in his mouth. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we even guessed that. I think everybody in the world guessed when Steve said those things that Carl was going to throw back in his face. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it is interesting, though, because like Steve acts like he's a little bit stunned. But the next scene when he's telling Brandon – like what happened, he feels extremely confident about Claire's feelings for Steve. Like he is not worried in the slightest about Carl. He he almost like, it made me think he was thinking in his head like, oh, that was cute. Yeah, sure, buddy. Like, go ahead. Go tell Claire how you feel. Go ahead, buddy. You put your heart out there. It felt very almost condescending a little. I just... I don't see how Steve thought that any of this was an okay idea. When you're dating Claire, of mm-hmm. all people. That, yeah. And then, you know, it gets brought up later in the episode, but the idea that last year, Brandon and Dylan gave Kelly an ultimatum, and you saw what happened to Brandon in Palm mm-hmm. Springs. Like, how do you think this is going to work in your favor? Right. But, yeah, I mean, he sounds real confident about this. And Brandon's just like, no, punch him in the face. Which is probably what he should have done. I mean, I don't want to condone violence, but he probably at least should have told him to kick rocks. Like, don't just, like, let him do this. I Yeah, literally just, no. And then go tell your girlfriend what's happening. Immediately bring Claire into this. Don't yeah. wait on it. Yeah. But it's okay because Carl is, like, immediately ready to make his move. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. We find out that the Goo Goo Dolls are there. There's a whole, like, three-minute-long scene of just the Goo Goo Dolls. I skipped it. I like the Goo Goo Dolls, but I don't have time for that. Oh, I watched it. <laughs> it was I don't good. Have, I'm sure it was. I just – I don't have time for that. If I want to watch the Goo Goo Dolls, I'll just, like, go to YouTube. Like, right sure. now, I'm – I am focused on the storylines. I liked well, the bassist's haircut. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> They looked like such a 90s, like, alt-rock band. It's like they were trying so hard to not be full grunge, but close enough. Grunge adjacent. Yeah. 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 Like, one of my friends in middle school, like, her mom's favorite band in the entire world was the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) And, yeah, they're just, like, grunge but mom-appropriate. Totally. I mean, I distinctly remember... Back in the day when my dad, he had a um, a white Jeep Cherokee Sport, and it was like the boxy kind of Jeeps that they made back then. I loved it. It was like my favorite car. Unfortunately, we got in like a really bad car accident, and it definitely got totaled. But he had in his little console like all his cassette tapes, and my dad's extremely organized, so it literally like stacked perfectly in his console. And the three no, four distinct cassette tapes that I remember that he had were the Goo Goo Dolls. He had um, Edwin McCain. He had uh, Matchbox 20 and Vertical Horizon. And so like very specific songs 
by all of those bands I like associate as like listening to them with my dad so it's kind of fun it's like I'll Be by Edwin McCain it's Black Balloon by the Goo Goo Dolls it's um Unwell was it Unwell or was it I don't know it was probably it was one of the millions of songs Matchbox 20 came out with and then um everything he wants or whatever it's called by Vertical Horizon like those specific I'm like yep I listened to that in that Jeep Cherokee (laughs) whenever I hear the song Unwell I think of the Atlanta Zoo because I went to zoo camp when I was little and the bird show for the entire week that I was at the zoo just played the song Unwell before the bird show so I heard it Every single day, like four times a day. And I, it's a weird association. But yeah, every time I see Matchbox 20, I think of the Atlanta Zoo and birds. That's so crazy. Weirdly, did, okay. Did you think it was weird that Susan calls DC like in the middle of this Goo Goo Dolls concert? Like it's like after dinner. It's like eight o'clock at night LA time. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost midnight DC time and they're like, yeah, just call me whenever. Yeah. I mean, I think the only reason I didn't think it was that weird is because she says they keep playing phone tag all day long. So I think she's probably just like trying at any point in time to see if she can get a hold of them. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just seeing like if you're calling someone at like midnight and they pick up the phone because they're working, that's not a job I want. Oh, I don't even sure. care that it's to work on a presidential campaign. For sure. But at least, like, what this does give us, because, like, she says she wants to make the call in private, but Brandon kind of insists to go with her, and he does, but then she's like, oh, I kind of want to make this private, so see ya. Luckily, Andrea's coming out of the elevator, so we get, you know, classic Brandria chat, which I've missed. Like, seriously, I don't know how long Gabrielle Carteris was on set, but it felt like they were just like, we need Andrea to come in and just, like, have a quick five seconds with all of her little friends Mm -hmm. and just like give everybody that like warm heart feeling. I have just missed Andrea. Yeah. There's something about her that's like, even though she can be stressed out really easily and overwhelmed, there's still something so calming about her. And I don't know, motherly. (laughs) (laughs) Can't imagine why. Yeah. But no, I have missed her. No, I loved it. And I love that she's like, you'll figure it out. Love you best friends forever Mm -hmm. just cute (sighs) not so cute (laughs) is claire and steve actually being cute and dancing all close together and looking adorable carl just out of the blue is like hey can i cut can i cut in and claire's like yeah carl you can (laughs) like of all time i if i was steve i would have been like right now while i'm dancing with my girlfriend yeah. At my birthday, my birthday party. Mm-hmm. You couldn't wait till Monday. Exactly. And like he has to bring up their mothers again. Always. Always. That's the only thing he knows how to talk about with Claire. And then he's like, I'm in love with you. I talked to Steve about it. We had an agreement between gentlemen. And I appreciate how she is immediately pissed at him. She's like, yeah. Steve traded me so that he could stay friends with a prince. Like she's pissed. Well, and I appreciate that she's not just mad at the fact that Steve and Carl talked about this and didn't clue her in, but I also know Claire, and she's mad that they made this decision for her without yeah. consulting her. Like, this this is Claire's decision, not theirs. And even, like, 
outside of the fact that, yeah, like she just, she's like, wait, what? You guys are what? She's more like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is my decision, not yours. Yeah. And she immediately, like, she walks away from Carl. She goes to get Steve. And it's just like, you were willing to let me go. Like, what is happening? This is messed up. And Mm -hmm. then Carl comes out and Steve punches him in the face. And then Claire goes away with Carl. And it's like this whole mess. But they just threw so much in front of Claire and expected her to just be chill about it. Well, and Steve's reaction to it, too, like, because Claire's even like, what you should have done is probably punched him in the face, like, right as soon as he started talking about this. And then Steve takes that literally, and which is why he even punches Carl. And then she's like, what? What are you doing? And he's just like, you told me to. And it's like, so clearly that both of these boys just miss the point when it comes to Claire. So much, which, like, really makes me think. She should have done the I choose me and been like, screw both of you. Neither of you know me. Yeah. Like, I could not stop thinking about the Kelly, Brandon, Dylan stuff. And I did go back to it. And, you know, like, Kelly even brings it up later. Like, we can talk about it when we get to that part of it. But this was driving me bananas. Yeah. Well, and to make matters worse, we have to go over to Brandon and Susan. And she, you can tell she's extremely upset. Like, Clearly, she has taken this job. But what's horrible here is that Brandon goes full Brandon. And honestly, this felt like worse than full Brandon because he gets like right up in her face and yells at her. And Susan's just trying to trying to defend herself at the moment, saying it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And the only thing I agree, like, because the thing is, is like, I actually agree about why Brandon's mad. Mm -hmm. like I do think it's a rock and a hard place and it is a double standard I just don't appreciate like how Brandon got mad I don't I don't mind why he's mad yeah I if my boyfriend got in my face and started yelling at me like this when I'm clearly upset like I, I would probably react the same way where like he leaves and Susan presumably just like sits on the bed for the rest of the night upset like Mm -hmm. I mean she kind of did a shitty thing. like For sure. This is bad. And I feel like we called it, I feel like everybody has called it in the past, this is shitty. But his behavior, also very shitty. Like, he yeah. doesn't get to win in this one. Like, totally, like, again, like, totally agree with why he's mad, but just the reaction was bad. Yeah. And, like... There's this brief scene where Eric hits on Andrea, and even though she says she's a mother and married, she leaves with him and melts help to her friends, and nobody stops Eric, and it drives me nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Andrea just completely, like, owns him in this moment, because he's, like, trying to offer her a job, and she's like, oh, you mean me, Andrea Zuckerman Vasquez, who is pre-med, my husband has tenure at Yale Law. Uh, I have a daughter, da-da-da, but sure, you can go ahead and tell me about this little job. Like, that was great. Like, love mm-hmm. it. But yeah, the fact that he still is just like, oh, let me go see your kids' pictures and put my arm around you. Drives me nuts. Like, I I can't. And, like, nobody pushes him in the water or, like, makes him go away or anything. He just mm-hmm. does this. Yep. But – you know, that was that short scene. And then we go to Steve and Brandon who are so pissed about everything that's been happening between 
you know, Brandon and Susan and Steve and Claire that they decide they have to leave the boat. And they're like, oh, yeah, we know about this strip club nearby in the harbor. And you can just like see it building like, oh, really? A strip club in the harbor. You don't. Which one might that be? Mm hmm. While they're on the presumably while they're on the way to said strip club, we have to just like, you know, real quick check in on everybody else because Donna is getting drunk on champagne again. And David apparently just like drank some champagne that went down the wrong way and came out of his nose. And Donna thinks this hilarious. (laughs) I got to say, again, not sure how I feel about someone who had a drug problem drinking champagne. Sure, that's fair. Again, not something we touch on, whatever. What I found fascinating is that at the end of all of this, Donna's like, I'm thinking about kissing you, but now I'm thinking about pouring champagne on your head, and she does it, and he doesn't get pissed. He's got googly eyes for her right now. Like, that's all I can think of. Which is just something to me. (laughs) Like, they don't get along most of the time and now he's just like oh I think I'm in love with you and is tolerating drunk poor champagne on your head Donna makes me think of those memes that are like sunshine and sunshine protector because I feel like Donna definitely is a sunshine and David's not it's not like he's melancholy but he's definitely not a sunshine but he could be the sunshine protector it's just I don't know it was a weird scene and it felt like both in character and out of character for David. Yeah. Right? For sure. Yeah. This whole situation is, like, super weird, especially because, like, they throw Eric saying, Donna's really beautiful, isn't she? Just so David can, like, look at her longingly under flashy club lights and be like, yeah, you're right. I guess I'm in love with her again. And, like, they've been hinting at it for so long, but, like, I don't know. I remember how their relationship went. Mm-hmm. And I, I will, I do appreciate that later on in this episode, they bring up that he cheated on her and he's the one that brings it up, but like, yeah, doesn't work. And Carl, never done shooting his shot, <laughs> is in his room. Claire is giving him like some super strength ibuprofen or whatever. And She does ask him. I appreciate She asks him if he threw the party just to get to her. And he says no. And I guess we're just supposed to believe him for that. Like, I don't think the show really gives us a reason to not believe him. Like, he seems sincere. Whatever. But then he gives her another picture of their moms. And, like, brings up again, like, the fact that Claire's mom was the one that talked about them getting married one day. And that they have this connection and da-da-da-da-da. And, like, she doesn't really want to talk about it. She doesn't even care about anything right now is what she says. But they kiss anyway. And I guess it was, like, a lightning bolt moment where she's like, nope, not into it. But, like, she looked a little doe-eyed, I guess is the right way to say it. That was the thing that got me is whatever – this kiss set off in her brain you know we find out the next morning she didn't sleep she Mm -hmm. just stayed up all night thinking about steve and carl and the idea that any of what carl is doing is working enough to make her think about him at all yeah 
blows my mind. Like, totally get wanting to stay up all night and be like, do I stay with Steve? Like, he's an absolute idiot who was willing to lose me because he's friends with a prince and feels like he owes him. Like, totally get that. I guess on the one hand, though, like, this could be a situation where maybe she's not so much thinking about Carl specifically, but thinking about the fact because he only brings up their moms, this could be the last piece of her mom. So if she lets go of Carl, she lets go of a person who knew her, who experienced life with her and outside of her dad can truly like they can truly bond over. So I wonder if it's like this is just me probably being a little bit like hopeless romantic-y, but mm-hmm. like, cause I really do think she loves Steve. I really do think they have more, like more in common than you'd think. But with Carl, it's like, there's a sentimental value here that she's really got to come to terms with like letting go of. Yeah. I, I really like that read. I like that, that she's thinking about her mom first and foremost of just like, well, Carl knew my mom, his mom knows my mom, like mm-hmm. being around them puts me closer to my mom. Right. Meanwhile, Steve has made it to the dive bar and is so upset about how much he has screwed up and that Claire is never going to forgive him. Obviously, Colin is there. Mm-hmm. But also so is Polly Shore in a blonde wig. That was so weird. I was losing my – as soon as that man turned around, I was like, why is Polly Shore in this episode? This can't be Polly Shore. And then I Googled Polly Shore 90210 – and that's Polly Shore in a bad blonde wig. So strange. So weird. And he basically just doesn't want to hear Steve complain and starts a fight. The one that spooks Colin and makes him run. And Brandon and Steve do not run after him, but instead get arrested for a bar fight. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to like continue that for a sec before we go to the random scene between David and Donna because like they see Colin running out or we see Colin running out of the bar when the cops show up Brandon and Steve get arrested at the police station Brandon Brandon and Steve can be let go because whoever started it wasn't pressing charges or whatever thanks Polly Shore yeah I guess so and Val and Kelly are there to pick them up and so while they're there, Brandon tells the FBI guy, Richard, that's his name. I don't know why I forgot his name conveniently. Um, but he's like there too. And he's like, man, I've spent a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of resources trying to find him. And Brandon's like, oh, by the way, we saw him. We saw him. He's near. He's nearby. Um, he's not at the boat that you were looking at, but he's around. So I yeah. feel like there was this FBI man served no purpose. Like, he spent a lot of time and money on a manhunt that proved completely fruitless because Brandon and Steve did it themselves. Right. Right. Because, yeah, they leave the police station and are driving back in Brandon's car, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or Brandon is at least driving. But this is when Steve, like, I think it's Steve, sees Colin and is just like, oh, my God, there's Colin. And they, like, slam on their brakes and make all this noise and alert Colin that they're there. So he takes off and we get a very long chase scene. We've got Brandon climbing a creaky ladder, almost falling off of this because birds were there. What was the point of that? Steve not reacting fast enough to see Colin, so he gets at least a three-second head start. Lots of 
tetanus possibility in this warehouse. The only good thing about this is that they jump out of the car and are like, ladies, call the police. And then (laughs) Val and Kelly are just like, what if we call the police and And also cut off his escape route so that you guys can catch him? Like, we're going to be active participants in this. Yes. And they do. Like, luckily, they do. They cut him off and, like, you even see behind Colin, like, clearly there's miles of space to keep running. But he's just like, cramp, cramp. I haven't had an adequate meal in days. I have a cramp. (laughs) And they were all running in dress shoes. Oh, I loved it. And, like, Colin's shirt stayed half tucked in. (laughs) I love, love, absolutely love when he has his hands cuffed behind his back and he's leaving and he apologizes to Val. He's like, I'm sorry, Val. And Kelly just goes, no, you're not. Yeah, loved it. It Loved it. Perfect. And then as they're all leaving and Val goes, well, I'd say it's been a pleasure, but it's not. And Kelly's just like, yeah, it sucked. I hate you. (laughs) Which is like appropriate for them. I they're back to the correct level of hate, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And I as they're it. leaving, it's just Kelly and Brandon, and Brandon puts his arm around Kelly. So we're setting this up again. Like, yeah, she says his arm feels good there. And I just wanted to be like, you literally learned that he and Susan broke up like <laughs> five minutes ago and then had to go chase after your ex-boyfriend slash drug dealer. Like, y'all should maybe take a pause. Yeah, everybody needs to just slow their roll. And speaking of slowing the roll, I want to go back to that little David Donna scene mm-hmm. because, like, they were clearly drunk. They come back to, I believe, Donna's room and kind of, like, in a roundabout way, like, Donna's like, why don't you hit on, hit on like, all these other girls that are here? Like, why aren't you acting like Eric? And he's like, I don't know. It's just not really my style, which I actually think that's very true. He yeah. is a serial monogamist. Yeah. I mean, he's tried – like, there was that one episode where Mary and Mary and skiing and mm-hmm. everything. But other than that, yeah, it was Donna. It was Val. He, like, what, was it Nikki that he dated for a hot minute? Like, mm-hmm. everyone he dates sticks around for a couple of episodes, if not, like, half a season yeah. or more. And so Donna, like, even admits, like, yeah, like, she, like she's always felt safe with him. And this is when he brings up, like, even – during that fling that I had and she's like well no not then but I didn't hate you like I knew that wasn't you and I it didn't make me hate all the things that I like about you which I actually appreciate like because I mean it's the whole like don't hate the player hate the game but I Mm -hmm. think she was appropriately mad at him for what he did but it's not like he's gone around cheating on everybody and now all of a sudden he's a totally different guy. He made a mistake, which was a huge mistake. And in my book, cheaters, you know, they're going to cheat. But I, I do appreciate that Donna's gotten to a place where she feels like she can still be friends with him and be connected to him. Yeah, I I am conflicted about this because, like, I don't know. I can – I guess I can forgive, but I can't forget how the whole reason that David cheated on her and treated her like trash and how every guy after him has treated her like trash to some extent because she won't sleep with them. Yeah, totally. And like, yeah, Donna has gotten to a place of emotional maturity where she's just like, I'm over it. We're friends now. Like, I guess I get what you did it, which I don't. But yeah, I 
I like that he brought up that he cheated and I like that she said what she said and I like that he mm-hmm. leaves at the end of the night. Yes. 100%. But yeah, just my personal opinion. I'm like, no, no. He cheated on you because you wouldn't sleep with him and he made you feel like dirt about it. Yeah. I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life. And maybe she will too. You know, like maybe she's basically saying that. Maybe she's saying like, I didn't feel safe then because of what happened and how you treated me, but I've moved on. Like I'm past it now. Like I still, like it's still there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I do think they've been taking adequate steps in a friendship. It does, but the romantic part does seem it's coming, like it's coming on a little fast. Yeah, it really does. And then we get this like short scene where Andrea says goodbye to everybody, but Brandon goes and finds Susan on the Ugh. boat. And he is so mean. And like, I Ugh. get he's mad. I do. It's just that moment where he's like, I thought you would have left already. And she's like, well, I couldn't leave without saying goodbye. And she like can't make eye contact with him for I a moment. I just have to say real quick, she looked amazing. It was like raining. And she had her cute little like low ponytail and her earrings. I don't I was just like, damn, Susan, you dressed up for a breakup. <laughs> I'm so upset. Like everything about her in this moment. And I gotta like Emma Caulfield just yes. knows how to do this. Yes. Her crying was so authentic. Her emotion was so palpable. Like, yeah, she played this perfectly. And I truly think Brandon is brokenhearted because remember mm-hmm. in the ultimatum with Kelly, he acted the same way. Maybe not as verbally mad, but he was ready to grab the ring back and walk away. That is that is how he reacts to like getting broken up with. He wants to just GTFO. He doesn't want to deal. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like he was more mad here, not because of just, you know, like just the double standard, which it totally was, but like. I think he genuinely was like seeing a future with her and they were taking the right steps. And I like, I think he's more hurt here than he was with Kelly. I truly do. I think so. I mean, like he literally, he changed plans to spend time with her because they agree they were both at the same level of seriousness. And then she was just like, actually just kidding. Bill Clinton needs me. Yeah. And like, again, it's a, it's a moment of like conflict for me. Because she talks about how hard it is for women to get ahead in the world. I just it true she, it, it truly is. Like she's right, but like that's not I mean, I don't condone this. Like I think she made I think she made the wrong decision based on what had already happened. That's the thing. I think like she it's it's the double standard she can't Mm -hmm. tell him not to do his thing and then do her thing and be like but you don't understand how hard it is to be a woman yeah like Like, I think a couple things can be true here like this is the wrong thing and yeah it probably is like a life an opportunity you have to take mm -hmm. but but he has a right to be upset about it (laughs) exactly exactly like and that's the thing too we talked about this when uh Brandon originally had the offer from Boston why couldn't she have just gone with him And then now she says, bail on the trip and come to Washington with me. You'll have so many opportunities. Yeah. Like, why couldn't she have just done what he could have done? And then maybe she still would have gotten the job in D.C. And 
they could just do long distance. Like DC and Boston can't be that far from each other. I don't know how I, far they are. I yeah, I have really no long. idea, but I think there are like trains and stuff. Like, I think that's a thing. Oh shit! No, it's like eight hours. <laughs> But, I mean, like, eight hours is still a lot closer than across the country. You're in the same time zone. Like, you're both going to be busy with work. And maybe he would get an assignment from the Boston whatever, whatever newspaper Mm -hmm. to go to D.C. Wow. I had no idea it was eight hours away from each other. I have no concept of distance. Well, I mean, that's the problem is, like, since we're in Georgia, I'm like, oh, everything is, like, you know, four hours away. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't take into consideration, like, even because places are smaller and, like, closer together up in New England that they're not, like, right next to each other. Right, right. Because sometimes there are. Like, when we were in New Hampshire and just, like, accidentally ended up in Vermont. Oh, yeah. When I was in Virginia and just randomly crossed over into Maryland. Like. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Mm -hmm. But apparently Boston to D.C. is not one of those times. Yeah. There's this little section um, near Harper's Ferry. Where, like, if you're driving through, you're in Virginia, and then you're in Maryland, and then you're in West Virginia, and then you're in Maryland again. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. crazy. Not That's the crazy. case in D.C. Yeah, no. No. Yeah, I just – it makes me so sad when she asks him to kiss her goodbye, and he mm. just, like, pecks her and leaves. Yeah. He's, like, fine. Doesn't even look at her. I don't think he makes eye contact with her the entire scene. I don't think he does. Oh, it hurts. It, it hurts. It hurt. And, you know, they really just want to, like, dig the knife in because the next thing we get is Steve going to his room, finding out Claire didn't even sleep there, that presumably she's just gone. And he is so upset. But then it's okay because he finds Claire at breakfast with Carl where Claire is just like, oh, I stayed up all night thinking about how much I love Steve and want to be with him. Mm-hmm. And they're and just like, like he's like, dude, I'm a prince. And she's like, well, Steve's a prince to me. <laughs> I just love that she's like, no, I pick Steve. And Carl is just like, okay, well, dinner this weekend. Right? Okay, let's all still be friends. Maybe we can just like be a throuple. It's fine. Oh my God, what if that's what he was going for? He's like, I can still get in on this. <laughs> yeah. I kind I of mean, hope so. <laughs> I mean, so like, you know. There's a bunch of, like, small stuff, but I kind of want to talk about, like, the ultimatum stuff, right? Because that night, Brandon is home, presumably alone. Kelly shows up to talk to him, and she makes this comment of, like, I, you know, I didn't have a choice last year. Mm -hmm. I had to choose me because think of what would have happened between the two of you if I had chosen one of you. Like, think of what that would have done to your friendship. Yeah. Meanwhile, Claire is just like, no, it's Steve. And Carl's like, okay, see you on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they have no history. Like, they, like Claire and Carl were friends first. Like, whatever. But, yeah, it's it is just... kind of funny how it was, like, such a dramatic ultimatum the first time around. And then now it's just like, oh, that's it? Yeah, like, Kelly got a whole I choose me walk away. Mm-hmm. And Claire was just like, no, I'm done. But dinner's still good. I I just think it's so fascinating because especially when Brandon and Dylan did all of that like manipulative stuff of presenting her with a European vacation and an engagement ring. Yeah. Like Kelly went with it. She was like, I really have to think about these things. And Claire was just like, fuck both of you. But 
if I had to choose, it would be Steve. <laughs> but I'm still going to participate. Yeah. And I also, like, Claire did live with Kelly when this happened. So mm-hmm. she was just like, is this just like an annual thing with you guys? <laughs> this is just like a rite of passage in the friend group. Which I got to say, you know, I will admit that I was completely wrong. I have spent like five episodes being like, Claire is leaving Steve for Carl. Mm -hmm. And I was totally wrong. And I'm very happy about it. And it would freak me out if somebody dipped me in a high chair to make out with me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was so uncomfortable the whole time. And she was just like relaxed. I was like, who is holding you up? I mean, Steve does have some muscles. He's he's the one in the gang with the muscles. So if it was going to be anybody. I don't know. John loves to tell me all of his PRs and lifting weights and whatnot. And I'm still just like, absolutely, you can't pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch me. I'm very small. I like to be close to the ground. Oh, that's fair. I mean, anytime I'm near water, I'm like, don't touch me while I'm in here. You cannot touch me. Nobody touch me while I'm in water because I just don't trust myself to like not drown. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, same thing. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's all these other little bits. We find out the reason that Joan has been feeling poorly is because she's pregnant. Again, and it, the math don't math. Literally, like, in my notes, I'm trying to make sense of it. I was like, I know they're not ancient, but, like, they make her seem old. Well, like, and, yeah, like, she even says she has grandchildren and that her grandchildren will have a niece or nephew. And, like, I looked up their ages and the actress who plays Joan was born in 1940. Which would then mean in 96, she would have been 56 years old. Which if a 37-year-old, 35-year-old pregnancy is considered geriatric, what is this? So my favorite part about this is not being like, it when we, Matt's, yeah. we used a condom. And like, she's oh, like, how oh, long oh, have oh. you been carrying that around? But first of all, have you only had sex the one time? Jesus. Also, like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry. That is my grandpa, Nat. Yeah. (laughs) That's Nat. I don't want to think about him that way. No. He makes me mega burgers and he- And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) He shows up and says, this isn't you and puts down the tray of cookies and leaves. Right? Oh, this is, I'm going to cater your party and not speak about your underage drinking. Like, Yeah. Ugh. But no, they've decided that they're going to have a baby. They're sexually active and fertile. What? So this is another thing that happened last year where Jim and Cindy were like, we should have another kid. Oh, yeah. And now Joan and Nat are pregnant, presumably. Yikes. They just took like one pregnancy test. They have not gone to the doctor or anything. Yeah. And then I love that they run into Brandon, who's upset because he just broke up with Susan. And they're like, well, we have some news to distract you. And, and very- yeah, Nat pivots immediately. She's He's like, no, oh, we're getting married. Like, great proposal, Nat. I know. And she's just like, we are? We are. We are. We are. Yes. That's even what Brandon's we wanted to tell like, you about. Yeah. Like, even Brandon's like, did you know about this beforehand? She's like, I know now. Like, and no one is just like, Nat, what were you really going to tell me before you said that? Or yeah. like, what? So now, I guess next season, we've got a wedding to plan. 
Which you know all the 20-year-olds are going to do, and Joan has no friends. <laughs> God. But can Willie be there? Willie and um, Nadine. Nadine. I was like, I already forgot her name. I hope um, Joni's bridesmaids are fancy lamps. <laughs> Instead of carrying bouquets, they're carrying lamps. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like Tiffany lamps with the bouquet, like like the flowers and the stained glass. Yes. <laughs> with just very long extension cords trailing behind them. <laughs> I want to redo my wedding. I want Tiffany lamps as bouquets. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it Ugh. so much. Yeah. And then I think Mary said in her synopsis, like, FBI Richard is staying in L.A. Maybe if he gets his reassignment, they kiss. I don't like it. It's okay because we never see him again. He oh, has to God. go back to his other soap opera. Thank God. And then we get another scene with Don and David. And actually, like... I know we all feel conflicted about Donna and David getting together, but I kind of appreciate how the scene went down because mm-hmm. they're talking about like, we had fun. I've been, th- it's made me think about us more. They're both admitting it. They're both being honest. And they talk about how like, mm, maybe it's not a good idea for us to get together because we'd fight all the time, but I love you. Like, and then what are we doing? Should we just try it? Because if it, if we try it and it doesn't work out, whatever we've already shown we can be friends so like i'm okay with all of this back and forth because it's honest it's real you know no i love that they have the conversation and then at the end of the conversation they're like so we're doing this can mm-hmm. i kiss you now mm-hmm. didn't need to see them kissing mm-hmm. but i appreciate the talking i will say though it was pretty cute when they were both smiling into it and then they were smiling so much that they couldn't kiss anymore and david kisses her nose like that was cute. That was chemistry, no. and that was cute. I truly, I only want the best for them. I'm just nervous. I get it. No, I totally get it. The trepidation's real. I just appreciated like that. It seemed to be well thought out. Mm-hmm. No, the fact that they talked about it, and yeah, that they're like, we can do this. Like we are gonna acknowledge that we're gonna fight, but we love each other, and like. These are the important things to talk about in a relationship. It was kind of that whole like them realizing that their relationship won't be perfect, but they would rather go through the hard stuff with them mm-hmm. than have perfect with somebody else or like perfect on paper with somebody else. Yeah. Like you you have to give it a shot and you're willing to end up work. heartbroken because mm-hmm. it means like you had them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that last scene is when Kelly shows up to talk to Brandon and there's a few other things around talking about the ultimatum because they both finally like agree and come to realize that Dylan and Brenda are living together mm-hmm. in England. I'm and so happy about it. I'm so happy about it. It's perfect. If they're both going to leave the show, they should be together. Mm-hmm. And it does make Kelly think like, okay, well, they got back together after everything they went through. What if we can get back together after everything we went through? And Brandon does say like, girl, I just got out of a relationship. You just got out of one a few weeks ago. Like we should really like take it slow and not jump into anything. At which point we find out that Val has been lurking in the other room and is just like, you're not getting back together if I can help it. Which – why? I don't know. I She doesn't have a crush on Brandon. I know she just hates Kelly, but, like, 
she's basically a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. She told Kelly earlier in the episode that she knew Colin before Kelly. So that gave him, that gave her dibs, but like she doesn't have dibs with Brandon. She doesn't like Brandon. So what's the point? She lives to cause problems. I guess. I mean, that's, that's gotta be it. She's just like, absolutely not Kelly. Ugh. Like, yeah, you can't be happy. Gross. Are you smiling? I have to fix that. Yeah. (laughs) Something's wrong with your face here. And I mean, can you imagine though, watching this in real time and like, you know, they've wrapped up everything they needed to wrap up. Like Colin's not lurking. Like Susan is out of the picture. Joe's out of the picture. Claire is still around, which Again, Caitlin, you were right because somebody has a certain, you know, billing safety in the mm-hmm. credits. Yeah. And it was, yeah. But yeah. also, I mean, Ray was in the main cast at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, it's not foolproof. It just was my logic. And it was fair. It worked out. But like, they've got all of this stuff like wrapped up. And then we know next season you've got potentially pregnant Joan. David and Donna getting back together. So we're going to jump in after they've been back together for however long the summer is, you know, three months. Mm -hmm. And then Kelly and Brandon wanting to get back together, but wanting to take it slow and Val being like, I can't let that happen. And then just like, this is when it pauses and you have to wait three months before you get to see if David and Donna made anything happen. Yeah. Cause, um, yeah. So this episode, uh, hold on one sec. I will tell you when this episode originally aired. It was May 22nd of 96. And then our next episode, which is obviously the premiere of season seven, August 21st. So yeah, a whole full three months. Yeah. Man, I'm... <gasps> I love coming into TV shows like really late when the entire thing is on DVD and I can just like keep going through them. Mm -hmm. Love it so much. And yeah, that's, that's season six. What a long journey it's been. Yeah, this was an interesting one. I feel like we got, like I'm trying to remember everything that happened. Like the fact that we started the season with Ginger Oh my god, we did start this season with Ginger. Like, why couldn't she come back? Also, did I say this at the time? She remind she reminded me of Gia from Full House. Do you guys remember her? She was Stephanie's bad girlfriend that, like, initially they were enemies and, like, she tried to get her to smoke in the bathroom or whatever. That, and yeah, that I remember the smoking, but I don't mm-hmm. remember the character at all. Well, she... They look similar. That's why she reminds me of her. Well, and just like the bad girl vibe-ish thing. But like also like you find out that, you know, her mom's a single mother and they don't have a lot of money. And she and Stephanie, of course, end up being friends. Okay. Yeah. That was Marla Sokoloff's character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember her name. But yeah, I got major like Gia vibes from Ginger. Because they do look similar. Well, and Gia, Ginger. Ginger, Yeah. But yeah, just thinking about the fact that we started the season with Ginger, we still had Ray, and like, God, I'm trying to even remember. Yeah, the jazz party, Dylan was still around. He was on the hunt for 
Yeah. His dad's killer. I was say we had Dylan get married and leave this season. We had yep. Donna I'm like looking at IMDB season six. We had Donna in the Rose Court. Mm-hmm. There was the Halloween party where the woman drugged everybody. Oh my god. Oh, Steve found out who his dad was. Yep. We met Steve's brothers. Oh my gosh. Like Brandon and Susan de- helped deliver a baby in an elevator. God. Why? Why did this season go so long? Like, I need to know everything about how they managed to do 32 episodes and not run out of stories, die. Like, I don't know. I've been busy at work for like two months and I got very sick. How do you go 32 episodes? I don't know, man. But we did it. We got all the way through season six. We're officially halfway, more than halfway through this show. We've got to be at this point. I know the last seasons are longer, but we've got to be. Yeah. So we're we're going to truck on to season seven as long as you guys are staying with us. I mean, even if you're not, we're still going to be releasing episodes. So, like, you might as well just hang out. Yeah. Do y'all have – okay. Do you have a quote of the week or a quote of the season or a moment of the week or, like, dare I say moment of the season? Can you remember that much? I think for me, if I had to pick one moment, and it's it's more of like a season-long moment, it's just me falling in love with Brandon. Like this season, maybe it was Susan's influence, and, and I really hope it wasn't just the chemistry with Susan, but we'll see going into season seven. But I think for me, it was just how the tide turned and the way that Brandon has grown and like just his little fun personality now, I think. That was probably my favorite thing about this season with all of our like wild out there storylines and just the drama kicked way up. I think the funnest part of the season was Brandon. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to guess like a quote of the week, even knowing how this episode ended, it would have been Brandon being like, all righty, or like, don't bite me. Mm-hmm. Don't like, bite my hand. Yeah. like Just every time he's like, all righty, okie doke. Like, Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, that's what I would have picked is all of Brandon's Brandoning. So I had to take the cats to the vet this week and it was the boys. It was MJ and Castle. And so every time I picked them up, I went, come on, boys. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, think about it. Those are the memorable things of the season is just Brandon being Brandon. I'm in shock that I, we just fell in love with him. Me too. In a good way. I'm not mad. Yeah, in a good way. What about you, Mary? (laughs) Okay, so I have to completely agree that Brandon making me not hate him. Congrats, it was hard to do, but you (laughs) did it, buddy. Yep. (laughs) Um, I did have a guess for a quote of the week, um, and it's a really stupid one, which is on brand for me. Um, When Carl says... Um, you know what they say, things happen on board a ship. <laughs> so I just wrote it as things happen on board a ship dash they dash Carl. Because <laughs> they say it. That's awesome. <laughs> um, and yeah, like all of the rest of my quotes are literally just about various characters kissing each other. Like Claire, kiss me, you fool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Susan breaking my heart, asking for a kiss goodbye, which Brandon, the angry peck, like almost this much hate you a little bit there, buddy, but 
you've come too far to go back now. So mm-hmm. whatever. And then David being like, so can I kiss you now? And the little nose kiss that he gave Donna was really cute. So cute. Um, And then <laughs> Kelly being like, Brandon, do you think we'll ever be Brelly again? And he's just like, yeah, sure, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and that's about it. What was I that? Did- it's like, um, oh, it just made me think of the way he said that, which is the way he said it in the show. But it made me think of um, Sweet Home Alabama with the really Southern lawyer. And Reese Witherspoon's character is like, wait, Mr. I forget his name. To the lawyer, like, I'm still technically married to Jake. And he's like, only if you want to be. And <laughs> just made me think about that. It's like, I, sure, I guess it is Kelly's choice, I guess. <laughs> like, I do love it. Like, Brandon's so noncommittal. He's like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Okay. I mean, you Fill just got to say something. There. I mean, you know, on the other side, like, Brandon's like, I'm the one that got hurt last time. Like, it's your turn. Woo. True. 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 I actually now that I really want that. I want Kelly to woo Brandon. I would love it for her and to not like just and like him. Yeah, and not just like the weird Kelly baby voice mm-hmm. when she wants something, but like actually like I brought you baseball tickets. That's what I want to see in season 7. I want to see wooing. Mhm. Yeah. I want to see Val be a bitch some more. And, like, the, I want the level of bitch that she should be, not the, like, Kelly and Val are arguing over, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars and jail time. Yeah. And I think this might be asking too much, but I would like to see Val being a villain minus all the guy stuff. Like, I want to see her be manipulative and be, you know, calculating without involving a guy let's let her villainy pass the Bechtel test yeah yes because she can do it yeah absolutely yeah let's go back to like ginger level villainy yeah I like Like that first round of ginger level villainy not the David round right yeah like just making everyone like you by pretending to save them from a robber (laughs) that you brought in perfect yeah I mean are we ready to, like, make a legitimate guess? Do we know what season seven, episode one is? Yeah. So our next episode, season seven, episode one. Remember the Alamo. <laughs> like, barely could say that with a straight face. <laughs> is okay. Donna going back to Texas? Like, what is this? See, and I went, because Brandon is still going on the road trip. So Brandon's going to Texas, and you know only good things happen when Brandon goes on trips. Are we going to see him in another sweat lodge? Are we going to get flashbacks to the Alamo? Oh, God. (laughs) Brandon's turn for past life regression. Right? Like, is this available on Paramount? Because if it's not, then I would fully believe we're going to get, like, clips from the Alamo. And that's why it's not available on streaming. I think it is. I'm checking right oh, now on my God. app. Yeah, season seven, episode one, right there. Oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I'm so excited. All right. Well, 
you know, instead of, unlike the show, we will not be taking a three-month break. So until next week when we start covering season seven, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back to you Podcast. Also, let us know any of your thoughts, your questions, your comments, your concerns, any ideas you want us to take on or um, anything you want to hear, anything you don't like. Just let us know, especially ahead of the new season. We want to start it off on the right track. So uh, shoot us over an email at backtopodcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and you know build a community and be able to give you all a better product. And if you leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the pod because we really appreciate it. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go get into a bar fight with Polly Shore. <laughs> I have to go get in a fist fight with Carl's nose. And I'm your best friend's parents wishing you a happy birthday from Hong Kong. Bye. Bye. See ya.